Good morning, and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin Youth Service. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we welcome persons of all religions, ethnic and racial origins, sexual orientations, abilities, and other circumstances. We extend a special welcome to our visitors this morning. We're glad you're here. Come, let us worship together. Let us open our minds to the challenge of reason, open our hearts to the healing of love, open our lives to the calling of conscience, open our souls to the comfort of joy. Astonished by the miracle of life, grateful for the gift of fellowship, confident in the power of living faith, here we are gathered. Come, let us worship together. Let us now affirm our mission statement, which is written on the wall. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Hi, everybody. I'm Claudia, and um, I'll be doing your reading today. (laughs) Okay. Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you, for life goes not backward nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite and bends you with might that the arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. My name is Audrey, and I've been going to this church all my life. I'm the coding of the youth group, and the way that I ended up doing a homily is kind of an interesting story. When we were originally planning the service, someone suggested the theme, Do You Know Your Youth? Instantly, tangents popped off, people talking about ageism, about their parents, and about the old generation versus the new generations, and interactions with the youth group at the church, and all these different ideas about how well people know us, the youth. Well, what I thought of immediately, and maybe it's because of a slightly selfish impulse, is whether the youth really know themselves. It's a topic that I've been grappling with a lot, personally, ever since I got into high school, and one that I bet will become even more relevant later. I'm only a sophomore, after all. Asking someone else who you are is easy, but asking yourself is hard. And during one's teen years, that question, the one you ask yourself, is, I think, both the easiest and the hardest that it will ever be. But let's back up. And focus for a sec on just why you're even asking yourself who you are. Everyone has read the novels, seen the movies, etc. about how people are supposed to do this during their teen years. There's even a specific word for it. Bildungsromans. It's a German loanword that translates literally as a formation novel. A coming-of-age story. Growing up, leaving the nest, choosing a career and a college and a social group and a sexuality. All of these are things you're supposed to do as youth. I mean, wow! Those are a lot of choices! 
No wonder books about this topic have their own word. There must be thousands upon thousands of different ways that that could go. The sheer magnitude of the coming-of-age journey is incredible. Surely this makes the question of, of if you know yourself all the more tough. Surely trying to ask yourself who you are while deciding for yourself who you are is fantastically difficult, if not paradoxical. It is for this reason that I would venture to guess that asking yourself who you are is by far the hardest when you're a teenager. But wait, Audrey, you said earlier that knowing who you are is both hardest and easiest when you're a teenager. You've only talked about the hardest part, some, and plus something being easier and hardest doesn't make sense. Hold on, Audrey. I'm getting to it. Okay, so here's my reasoning. The thing is, as I mentioned before, asking yourself who you are is hard, but asking other people is another thing entirely, especially people who love you, because people who love you often make it their business to know you. I hope everyone has that moment where they have an incredible connection with someone when it seems like their mind is being read because they are just being understood so well. My parents love to tell a story of a Pictionary game where one of them knew the secret word after the other drew a single line, not three seconds into the time. I think that these people who can understand and love each other so much are invaluable when the question of identity is being asked because People who love you are the ones that, when you turn to them sobbing because you don't know who you are or what you want to do with your life or you're threatened by the thought of your own mortality, they're the ones that sit you down and they comb through your hair and they tell you that you are Audrey and you are beautiful and you have a full life ahead of you. Or maybe my parents are just incredible. <laughs> but I, my thinking is that that's a huge job of all parents to reassure you in times like that. And it's possible because at that age, your parents know exactly who you are. You are their child, and you have so much potential. But as much as it pains me, that has to go away a bit as a teenager. Your parents can't make it all better now. No matter how much they know that you're their beautiful child, their beautiful child still has to decide what she wants to do with her life. But here's the good part. Here's the good part. They get to make that decision Every teenager is confronted during their time as a youth with who they are, and though it might be terrified, terrifying to be tasked alone with that decision, it's a remarkable amount of freedom. And finally, you're in charge. You may be forced to decide what you want to do with your life, but it's your choice. And when you're a teenager, you alone can seize it, because it's just you deciding. It can be the easiest, best decision in the world. The question of who you are may be hard because of all those coming-of-age choices, but it can be easy because for the first time, it's just you looking at yourself. Here's hoping all of us youth will be able to find something good there. Hello, my friends. How are you all today? I'm Max. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you know me from my time at the church. Um, and I was the co-dean of the youth group last year. So, there are a lot of implications to the word youth. 
People think of us first, of course. We represent the young men and the young women who are really too old to be called boys or girls, but still have many years to go before we gain certain liberties like driving or voting or certain respects, like not having to get off everyone's yard. We're almost a lost voice sometimes. Schools don't really have to listen to us unless we've got our parents staying behind us. Parents, as much as I conceptually understand the because I said so uh, mantra, sometimes it really marshes my mellow. But knowing what your youth entails is bigger than talking to us, to your teenagers, talking to the little kids, asking what them, them what they think. It's bigger than us, really. Knowing your youth is about understanding the fundamental of what it is to be both conscious and unable to act on the consciousness, on your thought. The thing is that we are all on some level out of control. We all ride along this roller coaster of the universe on this spinning blue ball hurtling through space at speeds I don't know what they mean. We're kind of spinning around this giant flaming ball that's even bigger and it's, we don't really even get it. There's no way to comprehend it and certainly no way to put our hands on it and stop it and tell it to be different. Bureaucracy surrounds us. From the president, the most powerful man in the world, arguably, trying to pass gun control laws, to my admission that I really will never be able to make a living doing origami because all I can really do is a hot dog bun. Yet, we still carry on. And at some level, inside each one of us, we, we get it. We understand. That's youth. Hopes for the future. Big ideas, a mission someday, knowing you're going to be a firefighter. Or a doctor. Or a concert pianist. What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What's your dream? What's your dream? Anyone. Tell to yourself, maybe. Because that's what people call your inner child, that voice that will tell you. Imagination, after all, is just making the shapes in your mind and the voices that kids talk about all the time and that adults sometimes don't admit publicly to their most loved ones or even privately to themselves. Speak who you are. Making those voices a reality, that is being young. That is youth. That is not being afraid to be wrong. So I charge you all. It's easy to lounge in the shade, but we play in the sun. Go be a part of our wonderful, wonderful world. Go to a jazz performance. Go kayak on the lake. Do it even though you think your bones will be sore, even though it might be odd for someone with your age, your years, and your wrinkles and chest hair to walk around in a bathing suit. We live in Austin. (laughs) This is a place for people to be young. So every time I see someone pursuing their youth again, it warms my heart. It tells me I don't want to die before I get old because I've got that ahead of me. And that's good to know because it keeps me going.
Every inch of me wants to applaud the elderly who jog past me while I walk to my school bus. Makes me want to get on my bike next time. Because I want to be able to jog 50 years from now. Every one of you deserves to learn about your youth. I'm walking into the world now. I bridge today. And when I step off this podium, I will feel like a man. I have gone through every rite of passage, all the things I feel like I want to signal the end of my time as a youth. I leave fulfilled because the time I spent in my youth group, the time I spent in this world, I spent my time so that under any spotlight, on the eye of any beholder, I am proud of who I have been. I'm proud. Youth isn't an age. It is an unquantified state of being. Youth is waking up and deciding to change your life. Youth is growing. Not growing up in this conventional, idealistic sense, but like a tree does, reaching for sunlight to feed its heartwood, expanding for decades through falls, fallen leaves, blossoming springs, unforgiving winters, none of which it can really control, all of which it can withstand. Nobody can tell you it has to end. Youth is hitting snooze so you can keep dreaming. And life is but a dream. Thank you. Um, I've got one more thing I'm going to perform. I'm going to perform it from this mic because it's more of a story than anything else. I hope this is a message. I hope you're listening. I've never had a christening, but my friends call me Max. A baptism by fire, pile, pyre, pyre, higher tires expired. I've been badly branded, burned by the mire of mental disease, so stay with me, please. I've earned it. I could trace this back all through the past, but earliest I could remember was in first grade class, feeling down. I was feeling lonely. My only little homie, I called him that. We might admit that he knows me. I was crying and moaning every morning. Morning, the t- shows on TV I was watching when I was three, before I started on my way to pre-K and predating the way that school treated me. I was always reading in class, I was good at that, but it was a problem because the teacher didn't think I could learn the math. Man, two plus two was never hard, I never had math I couldn't do until algebra two, but soon I had Adderall, it was a dose for two. The thing about Adderall is it mucks with your mood, so I wasn't exactly the coolest kid at the school. I threw fits, threw fists, stopped just short of busting windows with bricks, I almost did it. There was this piece of the wild inside my eyes. I don't know if I could describe it. I don't know what it was. A rage I couldn't tell the story they did in a hundred pages if I tried it. See, I threw fits. And at school, at home, things deteriorated. At middle school, they put me in this class to become educated about how to act in social situations so they could check me off under integrated. Band-aided, behavioral scrape, told me not to get blood on anything and left me to take it off myself. I was gushing emotion trying to get out of this world I had built. It was a living hell. They took me off Adderall in the summer of seventh grade, tried something else. We found it had been destroying my health. I hadn't been eating right, and just one summer, nobody could tell who I was. Gained 40 pounds and six inches as well. Mind went nowhere. It was like a treadmill's belt. I couldn't get enough fisticuffs. Wanted to show everyone who I felt had wronged me. I could fill them with shells, ring bells, bust heads, blast dead. Anybody who dared try to my path, I was so angry. I want to be the best badass, but I'm not built for that. That's not who I am. I'm just a nice guy. Man, see, high school was cool and all. Pitfalls and peaks, know-it-all mentalities, band geeks and creeps, strong jocks, weak singers, songwriters, expressing instrumentally and lyrically. 
It all blurs together in the rear view, closer than it appears. A few friends there dear to me, and a few friends there dead to me. A few things left be- best left unsaid by me. And a few things to brag about regularly. See, I'm just a nice guy with soft brown eyes and big ideas about what it means to be alive. I was just buried alive in the Maxwell Bernard Wethington, my Jekyll and Hyde. See, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in the summer of 2008. I started to understand my hate, my irate manic traits, my depressed moods, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought I had it less. Bitterness growing inside my thorny vine, like a thorny vine inside my chest. My only respite was to sit and read late into the night, escape in a sea of page numbers, chapter names, a world inside my cranium, saving me from reality, reading about video games and playing them, staying far away from anyone. It sounds cliche, but I had no friends. See, around sophomore year, I didn't find God, but something found me. A margin of light appeared at the top of the crevasse. I climbed in, and I climbed, and I found myself, this cold little boy who cried himself to sleep at night, stuck in the dark past, but who radiated light. He was a good man. He's a good kid. He'll be a good father someday. I've got it in me. I fight every day, carry on wayward towards the sun. Trailblaze. Thank you. We have come together to share our deepest concerns, speaking and singing words of inspiration and hope. We have committed ourselves to do what we can to ease the burdens of those who suffer, to stand for decency and compassion. We have pledged to work for a more wholesome environment for us and for all the generations that we follow. But these are just words. The hymns we sing are just songs. All our reflections are just idle thoughts. When we convert them all into loving and responsible action throughout the week, then and only then will this morning become what we want it to be, a time of worship. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.com. Dot O-R-G.